Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is the show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. Imagine you are on a bikepacking trip in the middle of the high desert. You're several days in and miles away from anything. You come across in the middle of the road a 73-year-old man who appears to be dying. There's nothing around, no truck, vehicle, no backpack, just a man lying in the ground. If you've been on social media in the last week or so, you probably know the story that I'm talking about. Tomas Quinones was in what is known as the Oregon Outback on an extended bikepacking trip when he came across Gregory Randolph uh, in the middle of the road. I'm very excited that I got the opportunity to get the rest of the story, so to speak, from Tomas. Um, A lot of what I saw on the internet was focused on the elderly man and uh, the circumstances that surrounded how he got to where he was, why he was there, um, but very little information about Tomas. And of course, as a bike packer, I wanted to hear the whole story about his trip and him as a cyclist and what really happened in those first moments and and beyond. You know, uh, we, he really gets into the nitty gritty of that situation. And I think it's important. Um, I think it's important that this type of information gets out there because it's not that you want to find yourself in that situation, but if you do, um, you can learn a lot from what Tomas did because what he did saved that man's life. Okay, and before we get to that interview, I want everyone to know that this show is 100% listener supported through several different ways you can uh, support the show. If you're interested in that, I'm not going to bore you with the details right now. Stick around after the interview and I'll tell you all the wonderful ways that you can support this show. And those supporters are extremely valuable and super appreciated. For now, if you're listening to this show, the only thing I ask is that you go on iTunes and leave a five-star review. It's hugely impactful in helping other people find this show. I really love the idea about bikepacking becoming more well-known. I'd love to help grow the sport and introduce people to this wonderful way of experiencing this world that we live in. And your five-star review on Amazon helps make that happen. All right, that's it. If you want to know more about how you can support the show, stick around after. Otherwise, here's the show. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very popular man, um, kind of popular by accident. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I guess it was about a week and a half in a- ago, I saw an Instagram post where, uh, oh, you saw that. yeah, <laughs> adventure, it's ad- adventure.bike, uh, sorry. Um, and you posted just a picture of your your spot tracker mm-hmm. and you said something like i had to push sos for the first time to hopefully save somebody else's life right and then a week and i was like holy crap what 
what what what happened (laughs) and uh then a week later uh there's an article that comes out um about an oregon man who saved another oregon man's life today on the podcast i have thomas how's it going man not too bad how you doing patrick I'm doing good. Are you getting a lot of media interviews, a lot of attention? Oh, far more than I can ever imagine about this. It's been nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. So what I want to do is kind of go more in and, and like set up the trip and talk about your actual trip since this is a bikepacking show. And right. um, I don't think anyone's really covering that part of it. Um, but before we get to that, I, everyone knows probably by now that you work with Ride with GPS, which is a really neat gig, I think. Yeah, it's been great. What, what do you do there? Uh, you know, when I first started, I was a customer service guy, just answering yeah. emails and customer complaints all day long and trying to fix their problems. Uh, then quickly transitioned over to rewriting and recording training material for them. Uh, and then for the past three years now, uh, been more like quality assurance, like testing the mobile apps and the website. And then uh, sometime last year, it kind of became my official position, like I'm the QA guy. Um, but now I'm, now I'm kind of getting more of a programming quality assurance engineer role. So I'm going to write my own tests and I work closely with our mobile developers to like make sure the app is as flawless as possible before it goes out. Oh, nice. So, yeah. so whenever you're doing like quality assurance, are you having to go out and test the product? I am. Like on, I yeah. Am. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool. Like, uh, a lot of times like, you know, we'll make a change to navigation or something and Got to pop on my bike, go outside, rain or shine, you know, go put on a mile or two and make sure everything works okay. And uh, that's often how I find a lot of bugs. Uh, it's like in the field. And, uh, right. So, yeah, like when I do bike packing trips or, you know, just like an overnighter somewhere on my touring bike, uh, I always have to use like an alpha version of the app that, you know, isn't in public yet and test new features uh, uh-huh. or just find existing bugs and file them when I get back home. Do you do your friends uh, try to like sneak peeks at your ride with GPS program that you're running whenever you go out on rides? Sometimes uh, there's been a few instances yeah, I, where I've had some like really cool new features if long yeah. before they came out. Uh, like we, you know, we recently did an update where the app has like a whole new look. I've had that update since like January, February. Um, yeah, we, we've been refining. Yeah, it I just got then. that one. Well, not just got it, but <laughs> I, I know what I know what update you're talking about. Yeah. It's a pretty major, um, yeah. yeah, looks overhaul of of the of the app. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in the in the works right now that I'm super excited about. Uh, namely, um, gosh, I'm not even sure when we're going to release it. Probably in the next three to four weeks. There's going to be a mobile route planner, which is huge. Okay. Uh, right. Because you know, normally you would have to go to the website, plan your yep. route, and then it would sync to your uh, your iPhone or Android, or you could download it to your Garmin. But now the idea is, plan a route on your phone, and save it, download it, you know, for offline use, and then go on a trip somewhere. Uh, yeah. Or even no, that's or, that's huge. I mean, because you could be on a trip and need to do a reroute. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I mean, you reroute and kind of look at maps, but to actually plan it on your phone in the field yeah is yeah that i mean that is huge yeah, yeah. you know like programs like uh google uh, google maps it's really like a to b like put in you know mm-hmm. put in the address and it's going to route you to that location and so it's not really good for doing big loops or an out and back or you know going out of your way to get home it's like it's the shortest path i know, I know there's other apps out there like gaia uh that also has a planner but you know we're a planning website. That's how we started. 
So we wanted to get that into the app, and so far I think it's great. I'm really, I'm really anxious yeah. to get everybody you know using this thing. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, like uh, no sponsorship anywhere, but like I, I've been using Ride with GPS for a long time, and I did download the Guy app only because it has that feature. Yeah. I, I'm sure they're both great, but I started out with Ride with GPS, and I'm familiar with that platform. It has all my data in there, and so. Um, I just have that Gaia as like a backup just in case mm -hmm. I need it, you know, but um, so yeah, for me as a customer, that's actually pretty exciting. Yeah, and I, and I and use good... Gaia as like a backup too, because I had my, okay, yeah, so, you know, I had no. primary navigation running on Ride with GPS, but as like, right. just for additional maps, like uh, like topographic and whatnot, I had the route loaded right. on Gaia. Um, right. Because I, I didn't want like a single point of failure anywhere, no, be it on my phone or my Garmin. Yeah, and I mean, as a company ride with GPS, you need to be familiar what other companies are doing anyway. Right. I mean, you at least on some level, you should be familiar with their product. Yeah, you know? you know? what's going on out there? Are we doing anything new, or has everyone already done this before? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what a freaking cool job! You get to yeah. like go ride your bike to test out the products that are being developed to help other people go out on these adventures. Man, it doesn't right. get doesn't get too much better than that yeah and some of our best ideas for tweaks or changes to the app always come on always come to us on bike rides yeah that's where all my good ideas come to me too yeah so this route this ride that you were doing in is, is it fair to call it the oregon outback no excuse that's me actually, oregon outback that's actually a different route uh, okay there's i mean i should so, yeah, say talk there is a route called the oregon outback right but that okay. wasn't the route i was i was riding uh, there's an area of Oregon that people call the Oregon Outback because it's just all high desert. So it stretches from, uh, gosh, like Lapine area just south of Bend all the way out to like Idaho and Nevada. So it's a pretty big area. I mean, there's, I mean, there's actually like official Oregon signs that say Oregon Outback. Um, the area I was in was more just high desert, more mountains, and... Uh, I think it's still technically Oregon Outback, but the route was called the Oregon Big Country uh, that was uh, developed by Gabe Tiller at Limberlost. Uh, he's one of our ambassadors that puts together some just epic routes. Uh, I've done a few of his routes so far. Each one of them always leaves me super sore. Uh, <laughs> and, so, and, and like hoping that uh, somebody doesn't get killed as uh, they're kind of rough. You know, you're in back country. Oh, wow. You know, there's sometimes the road is not even a road it's just a track line on your gps that you have to follow and you, right. you gotta wayfind a little bit but um they're always fun always just gorgeous and uh always make me feel good as like a bike packer that i did something pretty epic but this particular uh route you know the oregon uh, i'm sorry oregon's big country uh, i'd done a little bit of it two years ago so i had a little bit familiarity with the area so i'm like oh that's gonna be awesome it goes around steens mountain it goes to albert desert it's just gorgeous quiet um sunny and just nobody out there you know um but yeah i've known about this route for i think three years and i think is when they posted it back in 2016 maybe longer hmm. um so it's been on my bucket list for a long time and this summer the stars just kind of aligned and I had the time and the resources to do it. So, yeah, uh, I, I was, I was curious about that. I mean, I was, I was really interested to know, like, 
you know, how often do you get to take a, a trip like this? You know, I mean, I, I thought with right, right with GPS that maybe you were doing this on a weekly basis or, you know, monthly oh, basis or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like it's more like trips around the block or whatever for yeah. uh, some of that testing. But um, so, yeah, I mean, how often do you get to do a, a big trip like this? And, and Well, I do a lot of weekend trips, maybe like long weekends or just like an yeah. overnight or somewhere. You know, we got a lot of forests around Portland. So I can go into the Tillamook, you know, forest. I can go down to Clackamas, you know, go around Mount Hood. Um, you know, sometimes I'll leave on a Friday night to drive out to a certain destination and then spend all day Saturday, Sunday riding around and camping uh, yeah. and then back in, back in the office on Monday morning. Nice. Um, but when it comes to like a week long trip, I usually do. I try to do like one per year, sometimes two, yeah. um, you know, and I have a partner that doesn't do the bike packing. So, you know, I'll go on trips with her. You know, like we've been to Hawaii and Alaska and some other places around the world. Yeah. Um, this is the first trip of this magnitude that I've taken by myself. Normally I go with a friend or two um, yeah. just to kind of have some companionship along the way. But I was really craving some me time and uh, my buddy wasn't very interested in this particular route. So I said, screw it. I'm going to do it by myself. Uh, it looks gnarly. I was just looking up the stats. It's like 357 miles um, rated nine out of 10 double black and uh, recommended eight days. So eight yeah. days for 357 miles. I mean, that's, that's gotta be some pretty serious country out there. Yeah. Um, you know, if this is a, like a nine out of 10, what the heck is a 10? Cause this, this was hard. This was by far one of the hardest routes I've done. Uh, but yeah, it just, what made it hard? What, I mean, uh, what I've read online was very desolate. I mean, yeah. obviously desert, so not a lot of shade, not water. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. basically, like, there's basically no shade. Uh, water sources were hit and miss because sometimes the route would say, you know, Gabe had some notes as to, like, reliable water sources and some that were seasonal, and none of the notes were right. Anything that was seasonal was still flowing. Anything that was re uh, reliable was dr dried up. So... Um, I had to take about six or seven liters of water with me at any one time just to... How many re-fuel re, uh, spots along the route are there? For, f uh, for food? Food, water, yeah. just anything, um, yeah. I mean, I find like one or two places per day to get water. Uh, okay. But in terms of like buying food, really kind of one. So I, I basically yeah. had all seven days of food with me at any one time. Um, yeah, that's, that's doable. I mean... Yeah, the water's the big one. I yeah. mean, you can you can carry a lot of food, um, but water water's tough. Yeah, so, there yeah. were there were a couple of days I was starting to run on fumes before I got to the next water oh, source. Man. Yeah, I cut it close. Uh, wow, never dangerously close, but it's like, you know, right as I get there, I'm, I'm slugging the last bit of my water. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, when you it's it happens. Like you're in the desert, so what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how many days were you planning to do this trip on in? Well, let's see, the, the route details said to budget eight. So I put, you know, I kept telling everyone, oh, I'll finish in eight to 10 days. Depends on how okay. lazy I feel. If I want to just like sit around and paint or do something. Um, but man, as I started doing the route, I realized that you can't sit in your tent in the day, when, in the daylight, because it's mm. just too sunny and hot. So yeah. rather than, than slow cooking my tent, I just kept pedaling. Uh, so I ended up doing like 50, 60 miles a day. I think my shortest day was like 29 miles uh, just because it was all climbing that day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I ended up finishing in seven days. 
So. How how was the how was the trip going? I mean, you know, by yourself for the first time in that rugged terrain. I mean, oh, man. did it all go pretty well overall? Were you, you know, having a good trip? Second day, I almost had to turn around or find a detour to go down to fields to restock. The first day, I had a pair of shoes on the back of my uh, my saddlebag, and they fell off on a descent. So I ended up having to do all seven days in sandals. Uh, oh. Were you on flats? Did you have flats? Yeah, I have flat pedals. I don't I don't clip okay, it anymore. Um, and I started the ride on uh, on sandals because it's like there's some paved section at the very beginning, and when I'm on gravel, I'm not too worried about rocks getting kicked up and hitting my toes. I ride in sandals all the time, but I knew mm-hmm. there would be parts with like uh, goat heads or uh, you know really prickly bushes close to the road. So I brought my my shoes to keep my toes protected. Um, but luckily. There was hardly any prickly stuff at all. It was all really tall grass. Uh, a lot of plants that were out there were still very green. Uh, and I somehow came out of the whole thing without a single scratch on my feet. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing that really got me was um, on that first day is I lost, or I should say, I forgot to pick up one of my bladders that I used to fill up. So I left a three-liter bladder somewhere around the, on the route, like maybe halfway through the oh. first day. And I didn't, wow. I didn't really realize it until I got to the end of the day. Like, oh, crap, I can't, I can't get as much water for the next day because it's gone. Um, that's why I was going to go down to fields is go buy some plastic water bottles to use along the way to replace that three liter. Um, but thankfully, at the Albert, uh, Albert Hot Springs, they have a, like a small, not even really a general store. They just have a few snacks and some bottles of water and mm-hmm. beer and stuff that you can buy. So I bought a one-gallon bottle of water <laughs> that I then, you know, topped off my steel bottles, filled up my two-liter bladder that I had. It's like my dirty water. Uh, so the steel, were those 32 or 64 ounce? Uh, 40. So I had two 40-ounce oh, bottles. 40. Yeah, so okay. it's just over yeah, a liter sure. piece. Yeah. Uh, then I had a two-liter platypus bladder. Um, and then for about two or three days, I just had a, like, half-full one-gallon bottle of water hanging off my handlebars. I had, a, oh, I had an extra yeah. strap for something, and I just, like, jerry-rigged it to hang off my bar, so it was yeah. bouncing around and sloshing around. Uh, but thankfully, because I was able to get that bottle, I was able to, like, push on and not have to do a 40-mile detour down to the only store in the entire area. I mean, literally, along the route, there was no place for me to get bottles of water or anything. Uh, the, other, wow. the only other place that was actually on route was um, the town of Denio in the on the border of Nevada. Um, I stopped there for a couple hours to get lunch. Um, they had some, I think, Fiji water bottles that I bought and stocked in my frame bag to replace the one-gallon bottle. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if what you did, because you couldn't, I guess you could carry that the whole way, but it wouldn't be very much fun. Yeah. At one point, it was in my backpack for a little while. Uh, that got pretty heavy. Once you, get, once you fill a gallon of water, isn't that like oh, I don't yeah. know, six or eight pounds or something like that? Yeah, I was seeing the neighborhood of six pounds, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, getting that at your back, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, for sure. Man, so so what day did you find uh, Mr. Randolph? For anyone who doesn't know, uh, you, well, why don't you tell them? So you were, you were riding along and... Yeah, so um, I'm on day six of seven. And this is just high desert, nothing but uh, sagebrush for miles on end, rocky terrain, sandy roads. 
Uh, at this point, it had been 48 hours since the last time I was able to like send a text or make a phone call. Just no cell phone signal. The last person I saw was the day before, around 5 o'clock, just driving by in a minivan. And all that morning, didn't see a single person, not a plane, nothing. Uh, hardly even any wildlife except for maybe you know some cows, but I wouldn't call them wild. And, excuse me, I just... Uh, I had just passed, you know, across the Nevada-Oregon border, riding north towards a, an old abandoned ranch. And at this point, I'm about six miles off of the highway on a BLM double-track road. So it's sandy. You know, there's tire tracks, but they're probably a week old. There's this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's usually people that go to check out the the abandoned ranch. And at some point, I'm riding around this. A road and I see something laying in the road and I thought it was a dead cow at first glance because you know it was several hundred feet away it just a lump in the road and at this point I had also seen I think three dead cows along the route there's a lot of cows on this route yeah um, but as I got closer that's when I started seeing that like oh that's a guy in a t-shirt and jeans just laying in the middle of the road uh, and it, what were you thinking? I was like, is this guy just passed out drunk or, you know, is he dead? Like, and then I saw him twitch. I'm like, okay, so he's alive, but where's his car? I didn't see a car anywhere. Or is he hiking? So I figured, well, he's got to have a backpack or something. And so as I get closer, there's nothing in the road but him. He's just yeah. laying there, you know, across the road. I pull up and I was like, hey, buddy, you alive? You okay? You need help? And he just kind of rolls over a little bit, like in a daze and grunts. Um, like, okay, well, here's some water if you need it, but uh, I don't have a whole lot to share. And what was, what was your immediate like reaction to seeing it? Was it like immediately apparent that he needed a lot of help? Oh, or within a few seconds. Kind of a, within a few yeah. seconds, I realized this guy needed help. You know, he, okay. he wasn't just out there sleeping off a drunk. This guy was in trouble. You know, no backpack. I mean, really, no gear around him. No car within sight. Something happened. I don't know if this. And he's he's a seventy three year old man as well. Yeah. Like he, you know, right. He's, so you know, I mean, he's, he's not in the prime of his life. Yeah, he's kind of a bigger guy. And in jeans, you know, wearing jeans in the desert. You know, that's asking yeah. that's asking for trouble. Um, but yeah, you know, gray hair. I mean, I didn't know his age at the time. I just he just kind of a bigger guy with gray hair so I figured oh, he doesn't look like much of a backpacker to me um, mm-hmm. but there's no gear anywhere except for like he had a baseball cap that he rolled over on the ground and some broken sunglasses so um, I see some I can start looking around for a vehicle uh, I see something off in the distance that I thought would look like a moving vehicle it was kicking up dust as vehicles do so I you know, gave him the water bottles told him to hold tight I'll be right back with help and took off as fast as I could to try to trash, you know, see if I can flag somebody down because I couldn't make a phone call at all. Um, and I, st- I started thinking, like, do I need to start pressing SOS on my device? Am I going to find help right. now? Like, you know, if we can get a vehicle, let's just jump in and get him to a hospital or something. Um, sure. But after a few miles, I realized, oh, man, it's just, it's just a dust storm. I'm not finding anybody out here and still no vehicle. Uh-huh. Um, but I start noticing footprints from this guy. So I'm like, holy cow, he's hiked at least four to five miles before landing where he is now. 
So I, I hit the SOS. Was he watch walking the the opposite direction that you were traveling? Yeah. Or was he? Yeah. So you didn't see his footprints as you were riding. Yeah, he, he was coming the opposite direction. Okay. So he was okay. coming from the ranch that I was heading to. Um, gotcha. But I turned around before I made it to the ranch, uh, and that's when I hit the SOS on my spot tracker. Like, you know, even if I had a shortwave radio, it still wouldn't matter. There's nobody out there to listen in. I, hmm. you know, I, I did some checking online. I couldn't hit a repeater or anything. There's nobody out there. The nearest <laughs> repeater was like 60 miles away with two mountains in between. So wow. um, the spot tracker was my only option at that point. So it had only been maybe like 20 minutes since I found him. Yeah. So um, as soon as I hit OS, SOS, I bolted as fast as I could back to his location and starting to think like, okay, what do we learn in the wilderness first aid about somebody who's severely dehydrated? You know, what can I do? Can I build some kind of shelter for shade? Like, I don't know his needs. I don't know how long he's been out there. There's so many questions going through my head at that point. Well, and and to help us understand better, like, do, do you have any medical, you mentioned like wilderness first aid. So what, what kind of like medical experience, if any, did you have to assess him um, a few years ago i was actually on a search and rescue team a volume uh volunteer search and rescue team for the pacific northwest oh, cool. search and rescue so i got some training through them uh yeah. and then last year i took a wilderness first aid course over the weekend to get certified um, oh yeah so you know we covered a lot of basic stuff like you know how to wrap up broken bones with you know your sleeping pad and really basic stuff yeah. and only a little bit about like dealing with um uh, you know, frostbite or somebody who's severely dehydrated, you know, but how to approach the scene and have the right frame of mind to address it. Yeah, um, I think they cover some of that stuff in the Wilderness Advance First Aid, the, you know, so the next yeah. series in that, yeah. Yeah, um, but it's like, I, I've only been planning food and water for myself. I didn't really have a lot of extra to give away. So right. I, I, st I also started evaluating, well, do I even have enough water to help this guy? because the my next water source was still, I think, I don't know, 15 miles away, something like that, 15 or 20 miles away, uh, uphill. Okay. Um, but I'm like, so, like so, screw it, I gotta help this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, That that's that's interesting, right? Like, were you concerned about conserving resources because you weren't 100% sure that that SOS button would work? Yeah. Um, because you know. that's what I was thinking. Like I've never pushed one, yeah. but I've always, I've always had a little bit of a fear that when you push that button, you really you don't have any indication if it was received, yeah. and you don't know how long it's going to take before they get there if they come. Right. So like those moments, I I would be really fascinated to hear like what was that like if you were aware of that potential outcome of them not coming at all yeah what was going through your mind about how to approach that situation um you know i i had read about the spot trackers failing but during the entire week i've been using you know nightly check-ins to let people know where I, where I was camping every night uh yeah. once in a while i would actually check the app on my phone to make sure that like oh yeah my spot check-ins are coming through because i get my own texts so, right. you know, so my spot check-ins. I do that too, yeah. Yeah, so my, my breadcrumbs yeah. and my check-ins were all working. So I'm like, okay, I've got a relatively high confidence that my SOS is going to go through. Good. You know, it's, yeah. I would much rather have some kind of confirmation, you know, like just to change the status light to like, yep, it's been received, help us on the way. Exactly, Anything. exactly. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a little scary not knowing 
if and when help would be on the way. And, right. you know, and I read, read, read reports somewhere that, you know, depending where you are, it could be several hours before they get out there. You know, do they got to, you know, assemble uh, a search and rescue team to come get you? You know, is it going to be volunteers? You know, I didn't know if it would be an ambulance or just a guy in a pickup truck. No idea. Right. Um, I mean, I didn't feel freaked out or anything like that. It just, the, the, the situation was just replaying all sorts of scenarios in my head. Like, okay, you know, how much time do I give it before I just, like, dump some of my camping gear with him and head towards closest town or go back to the highway and try to wave down another vehicle? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, man. So what was, yeah, so what, what was he like then? Because if you're evaluating leave stuff with him, was he conversing with you at all? Was he no. eating, drinking? Like uh, he, he was out of it, like crazy eye, almost like his eyes were almost rolling to the back of his head. Uh, he was shaking uncontrollably, uh, like he was shivering, and it's and it's almost it's probably like 90 degrees outside at this point, so it's hot, yeah. it's sunny, not a single cloud in the sky, and nowhere to get shade. What time of day? Uh, at the time I found him, it's about 11 o'clock in the morning. So okay. by the time yeah, I made so it back to him, to yeah, by the time I made it back to him, it was uh, I think about 11:45 or so. Okay. So yeah, the sun was just directly overhead, and I was starting to feel pretty warm. And I had like, you know, a desert hat and sun sleeves and stuff on. Um, but, you know, I only had maybe not even two liters of water on me at that point. So I poured some into one of my plastic bottles, got down next to him and just started like trying to get water in his mouth. And he, he reacted like he was trying to drink the water, but you know, laying on your side, it's pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I gave him a few sips of water and right as I'm like pulling out the water bottle, I hear this shaking, bush near us and i'm thinking it's a bobcat or something that's going to eat us because <laughs> oh I, I almost had a run i think i had a run in with a, a mountain lion like two nights before there was something growling next to my tent that was driving me nuts uh well that's the type of situation where you have a, a wounded uh victim just sitting there yeah. i mean and, and, you know if you're talking about wild places yeah a mountain lion or yeah a coyote or something would be happy to take advantage of that yeah, situation I, I mean in, in the real world that's that's what would happen oh, yeah. yeah and i had definitely seen uh all sorts of pr- uh, print paw prints in the sand like nearby so oh man yeah so there were plenty of places something could have hit but you know but some of those might have been his dog <laughs> yeah like it out pops this little shih tzu just like happy to see me and a like shih tzu yeah that's like so it's like this gosh. tiny little fuzzy dog it's just a puff ball and it's uh-huh. covered in like briars and other sticky stuff that you find in the desert just matted dirt and it's like desperate desperate oh. for water so every time i try to give the, you know greg some uh mr randolph some water this dog is like trying to get his nose in there and get its own water um mm-hmm. so after a little while i just like I took the lid from my peanut butter jar and just poured some water in the lid so the dog can drink out of that while I'm trying to give water to Gregory. Mm. And like that, unfortunately, that was misquoted in some of the news articles that people thought I was feeding the dog peanut butter. I'm like, no, I was eating the peanut butter. The dog was just using oh. the lid. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't read that. Read that one. I just read that you had given the dog water, which I think thought was awesome. Yeah, like, yeah, it's really. I, I, it's like a bonus, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I, I had no idea how these guys, have, how long they've been out there. So it's like, you know, right. I'm not going to let the had... dog go crazy because it's yelping and trying yeah. to get attention and get water. Well, how crazy is that is a Shih Tzu that comes out? Yeah. I mean, you got a dying man in the middle of the desert and you think a mountain lion's going to pop out or a coyote or something yeah. and then a little Shih Tzu and you're like, what? Am I hallucinating right now? Right. Like, what is going on? Um, 
But I mean, he had like a little dog tag and stuff. So I figured, okay, it's his dog. There's and, and you know, I also just at that point I noticed too that there was a leash on the ground that I thought he was using as a belt or something because it was in a loop. Okay. But um, yeah. I'm like, oh, so that's the dog leash. But the dog was just running around. Hmm. Um, so at that point, I'm like, okay, let's. Uh, since I had no idea how long it would take for anybody to get out there, I'm like, I'm gonna try to make him as comfortable as I could. I, I didn't really have any food or salty stuff to give to him because I didn't know, I didn't know like if he was diabetic or anything or was like allergic mm. to anything. Like, I didn't want to start feeding him sugary stuff, you know. Uh, I just had a lot of snacks, you know. Yeah. So the best. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of medical training other than a, a merit badge in, in Boy Scouts. So, uh, but. I mean, water is the important one, right? Yeah. Like, get water in him. I mean, he can live a little bit longer without food, right. but water's water you're not going to yeah. get much longer. So, And like I said, it was really hard to give him water at all. So I just had to be very careful not to start spilling water everywhere as I try to get it into his mouth. Um, yeah. But at that point, like, okay, he's got, a, he's got a, a few ounces of water in him now. Let's try to set up my tent with some shade. Uh, and it's just a one-person tent, one pole. You know, I, it's, there's a little bit of a breeze, so it's really hard to get this thing set up. And the ground is really hard, so my stakes are bending as I'm trying to get it set up. I eventually get the tent set up uh, after, like, 15 minutes of just struggling, trying to, like, keep the dog at bay, keep, you know, working with the wind. And I'm trying to be mindful of where he is on the ground and not, like, step on him or have the tent flop on him or anything like that. Because normally I'm by myself. I don't care where the tent goes. Um, but being, being with the sun overhead it didn't really create much shade because there's no shadow. Right. So the best, it's not casting anything. Yeah. So I, and I couldn't really get him to like roll into the tent. I, and I knew I didn't want him in the tent either. It'd be too hot, but at least I wanted yeah. to get him towards the tent to get in what little shade it gave. I pulled the part of the rain fly out a little bit to give his head some, some shade. And he seemed to like that. Um, he kind of like nodded his head a bit and like kind of scooted under the shadow a bit more. Um, yeah. So I was like trying to keep the, st- the tent stabilized, trying to figure out like, exactly how much water I had. Uh, I started looking at my maps to figure out like where help would be coming from. Uh, I think the closest town would have been uh, Lakeview, uh, which was like 60 miles away. So I oh, figured, man. oh man, that's going to be at least a couple hours before somebody gets out here. Right. Um, and during this whole time, I'm trying to talk to him to let him know that I'm like still there. I'm doing what I can. I'm you know. I can't give him too much water at one time. It's got to like let it kind of seep in, you know, little by little. Right. And uh, you know, at that point, it's like, well, there's not much more I can do. You know, I started thinking, well, can I set up more shade with like my rain jacket and the clothesline that I have? Like, I don't have a lot of gear that I can do something like this. Um, yeah, I mean, you're in you're in the desert, so you probably didn't carry a lot of extra clothes. I mean, you just yeah. hot and yeah. You, you know, need a lot of clothes. So. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I ha- and and the extra clothes I do have are warm layers, which I really don't want on him. Yeah. Um, and there were no trees to like set up a clothesline and just like create a lean-to or anything like that. So I had to use the one tent pole. Uh, I think at one point I had the rainfly using the dog leash and then tied it to, to the handle of my handlebars of my bike on the ground. Um, yeah. But you know, after. I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half since I pressed SOS, I finally sat down next to him and I explained, you know, I don't know if you can understand me, but it's going to be, it could be hours before somebody gets out here. It's, I'm pretty sure helps on the way, but we could be out here for a few more hours at least. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
maybe another couple minutes after that, I start seeing something in the distance moving. It's like, oh, it's, there's dust getting kicked up. Something's coming. And, you know, a couple minutes later, I start seeing flashing lights. And oh. it's like, oh, that's, that's got to be a cop car or an ambulance or something. Um, and at that point, it's like, oh, I should take, like, some photos to, like, document the scene because no one's going to fucking believe me this just happened. <laughs> so I just, like, whipped up my phone really quick, slapped, you know, try to be mindful of where he was. I didn't want to show his face, you know, trying to yeah. you know, protect him a little bit because if he dies, I don't want photos of a dead guy on my phone. Right. You know, and I don't want people thinking I'm going crazy for social media. I'm like, if something happens, I want to be able to show the sheriff, like, here's what I did. You know, here's what the situation looked like. Yeah. Um, because initially, I didn't plan on sharing any of these photos at all. Yeah. Um, but then, have you got any backlash from sharing them? Ninety-nine percent of the people have been completely awesome and supportive, and have given me no grief whatsoever. It's only when yeah. I go to certain sites and look at the extensive comments that once in a while there's some jackhole who clearly has not read the article right. commenting about. Like, why did this guy have a tent? There's no way a bicycle could have held that much gear. Cause you know, I, uh. it's like the, pic, the one picture has like my jackets and stuff strewn about and my tent set up and it, it looks like a big tent, but it's, it packs down to nothing. Uh, right. it's an ultralight tent, but, um, I snap a quick, a few quick photos. Um, Oh, one of the crazy things I didn't even mention before that kind of weirded me out was, uh, as I'm trying to get this guy cooled down, I see this pillowcase on the ground. I'm like, oh, I can like put some water on that pillowcase or maybe use it for shade or something. But I go to pick it up and it feels like there's a heavy rock in it. It's like, why is he carrying a rock? So I open up the bag, the pillowcase, and there's a pistol. Oh, it's just got a pistol in it. a pistol. Just like a nine millimeter (laughs) semi-automatic. So I'm like, oh, okay. So so now that's to me, that just makes the story stranger because I have no idea what he's doing out there alone with nothing and just a pistol and his dog. Is he hunting? Is he stranded right. somewhere? Like, what Me is... knowing the backstory, I'm thinking, okay, he didn't, I don't know, but uh, I assume he didn't have very much provisions in his truck. Right. But in his mind, he's like, okay, I got my dogs. I'll take my gun. If a mountain lion comes, I'll, sh-, you know. Right. Um, but you didn't know that. Right. You know there's a guy in the middle of the desert with a dog and a gun yeah. in a bag. So like, cause, that's dying. you know, when I find what the gun the at, at that point, I'm like, well, I don't know if this guy can like snap out of it all of a sudden and just like freak out and try, try to get the gun. So I like toss the gun under my bike and out of the way. I didn't mm. want it to be a factor in the whole thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was just a weird little tidbit. Um, yeah, but, you know, crazy. a couple minutes later, the, the ambulance shows up and the paramedics come out. I introduced myself so yep that was me i hit the sos uh but i'm 100 percent okay because you know during this whole bit i'm also thinking my friends and my partner at home are wondering what the hell is going on with me because all they did you also send them the one that says i'm okay at the same time to... i didn't even know if that was possible because once you hit sos yeah, everything lights up yeah okay so, so i didn't know what the the procedure was so gotcha. you know at, my, at that point my my spot tracker still signaling sos uh, you know, I tell the paramedics I'm okay. They start looking at the guy. They get the ambulance turned around. Uh, and I explain the situation to them. And and he starts checking out Gregory. And, you know, as the minutes go by, the sense of urgency starts increasing. They start realizing this guy's really in trouble. Because, okay. uh, like, you know, like I said, his eyes are basically rolling in the back of his head. And he's just shaking like he's cold. So... 
at that point, you know, the paramedics like, we gotta get this guy going right now. So I like tear my tent down. We pull the gurney out of the, the ambulance. We get him loaded up as quickly as we can. And while they're getting him loaded into the ambulance, I start. You're saying we, were you helping? Yeah, I was helping a little bit. Because I, 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 I wrapped up people in gurneys before as part of like okay. the search and rescue training. So I knew that they were gonna like wrap them up a certain way. And I just, you know, yeah. three people trying to lift a person is a lot easier than two people trying to lift a person. Sure, so I helped, sure. you know, yeah. helped lift the mid midsection a little bit. Um, yeah, that's that's good. I, I've been in not anything close to this in, scenario, but like where the officials come with the ambulance yeah. and the paramedics, and, and you're just like you just kind of stand back, right. like you're like I I don't I don't know what to do. I don't know what your procedures are. Right. I'm just gonna get out of the way. Yeah, I mean, if but this were, you like were a, actually able to, yeah, if this were a city se- uh, session or city uh, situation, I'd be completely hands off. Let them do their yeah. thing. Because more than likely, there's going to be more than just two guys that show up. There's always like police and you know, firemen or whatever that show up at a situation. But it, at this point, it was just the three of us trying to help this guy. And who who came? It was one ambulance and one sheriff. Yeah. So the, at first, okay. the ambulance showed up first uh, with two guys. We got him. We got the Gregory patched up or not patched up, like packed up and onto the ambulance. I start asking them like, "Hey, you guys have any spare water at all?" I just gave him a bunch of my water. I'm running dry. And I still have like 15, 20 miles to the next reservoir. And they're like, oh. Was there any talk of you going with them? Or oh, they no. were just. They're just like, like they're just, at first they were like, well, we could take you with us, but the sheriff's on the way. We need, you, need, you need to talk to the sheriff. Maybe you can hitch a ride with him. I'm like, yeah, okay. no problem. I'm fine. I can survive out yeah. here for a few more hours if I need to. No problem. So they take off. And they, the only water they left with me was like a 12 ounce or two half full 12 ounce bottles of Gatorade that they had already been drinking out of. I'm like okay. I'm thirsty. I'll take whatever I can I'll get. I take that it. Point. Yeah, it was, you take that. Eat. It was wonderful because uh, it was cold. Yeah, and I hadn't had anything cold to drink in like two or three days. Uh, okay, so from so the yeah. time you hit spot to the time that they showed up, how how long was that? Uh, it's probably about an hour, somewhere between an hour and a half, hour forty five at best. Wow, yeah. that's good. Maybe maybe as much that's as good. two hours, like. You know, the only but time still, I, I mean, the only time I checked you know, my phone if, at all was like when I first had SOS. That's when I checked the time, and then after that, I didn't check at all. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, that you know, because just for your personal like mental, and also the Mister uh, or also for Gregory, yeah. like time is of the essence. Yeah, um, for sure. But like, I was just thinking about all the things that were going on in your head. Like, if it took five or six hours for somebody to get there. Uh, Number one, I don't know if Gregory would have lived. And number two, you would have been going crazy, I'm sure, just trying to figure out, do you stay? Do you go and try to find someone? You know, just going through all your options. You'll be going through your resources. I mean, it's that's pretty good. Yeah. If, they're, if the nearest town was an hour away and they got there in, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, I mean, that's that's good. Yeah, because, you know, it's because, like, those SOSs, um, like, even when you do a spot check-in, it can take up to 30 minutes to transmit Right, because it's yeah. it's got to wait for a satellite to be in the right position, or just like it it just takes time. Like I've had check ins take forty five minutes at times, um, so I didn't know if this would how long it would take or how long it would take dispatch to get somebody on the way. But yeah, yeah uh, actually, I just checked my my timestamps again. Yeah, it's, it's almost exactly an hour and a half from the time I hit SOS to the time the ambulance showed up on the horizon. So yeah, that's pretty good. Well. Yeah, I'll, I think that's worth noting because uh, I know you mentioned that you've read some stuff about how the SOS didn't work. And, mm-hmm. 
It wasn't too long ago there was a few articles like floating around of people saying that you know their SOS didn't work and um, so you know that I, th I just think it's good to to state the facts I mean yes it didn't work but in this case it did and then yeah. they came in a very short order and, and saved somebody's life right. so yeah I mean that's that's why that device is there yeah. so I'm really glad that yeah, that, that works so well. The batteries that were in there were still good. Uh, I had two extra set of batteries for, specifically for this device because I just yeah. did not want to get caught unprepared. Uh, you know, being part of the search and rescue team for a while, you know, luckily the rescues I went on were pretty simple. Like somebody, you know, uh, hurt an ankle or you know fell mm. down a ravine. It was okay. They just need somebody to help them walk out. Nothing, yeah. nothing nearly as serious as this. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so I helped. So yeah, the, yeah. So, so they left, so they took I, I kind of interrupted you, but they no left and then the sheriff was on his way. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, the sheriff will be here in a little while. You can talk to him. So they take off. I, you know, got a small bottle of Gatorade, a pistol in a pillowcase, a dog leash and a dog that I don't know, don't know what to do with at this point. So I start packing up my gear, start evaluating how much water I have left and trying to figure out how many miles it's going to take me to get to the next water source. A few minutes later, I don't know, five, five or ten minutes later, the this sheriff's deputy rolls up and he's like, you know, go through the whole process. Yep, I'm okay. I'm 100% fine. Uh, yeah. He gets my information. I tell him the story of how I found him. And uh, he was really cool and just really personable, fun to talk to. Uh, I was like, and it, the concern I had at that point was, well, please contact my my emergency contacts and let them know I'm okay. Uh, yes. Because I didn't, I, again, at that point, I didn't even think about hitting OK on my tracker. Um, but he's like, oh, yeah, they've already called in, like that it's a code for, that you're OK, it's for a third party. Like, oh, OK. So oh, hopefully good. they'll get something. But I would still like to have him call my partner to let her know I'm 100% OK and that I'm going right. to keep riding. I'm not going to cut my trip short. Um there's, I there's, love that, by the way. Yeah, there's, I there's nothing you. more I can do. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm 100 fine. Uh, I wasn't shaken up or anything. I was just like, okay, yeah, this guy's gonna be okay. I think, yeah. I hope. Uh, yeah. You know, even if he wasn't gonna be okay, there's literally nothing more I can do. So I decided, dude. You, yeah. So I mean, I'm like, yeah, well, your your conscience is clean. You were in the right place at the yeah. right time, and you did everything that you could. And from what I can tell, I mean, you kept very level-headed you thought it through mm -hmm. and you made good decisions which is yeah i mean which saved his life yeah so yeah so, you, you your conscience is good my friend yeah so you I, finished your bike packing trip i did <laughs> um yeah i talked to the sheriff and you know gave him my, my contact information uh and then he's like okay well he he took the pistol and the dog at first he thought the dog was mine He's like, he's like, he's like, I was yeah, wondering why you're out me. here on a bike with a dog. That's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, no way. I would not want to take a pet out there. It's hot. There's no water. No, not a chance. Uh, so we, we chat for a few minutes and then he's like, okay, I'm going to go up to the ranch, see if I can find a vehicle. So he takes off. I'm like, crap, I forgot to ask him for water. Oh no. Yeah. So, you know, I finished packing up my stuff and, uh, I start heading North, you know, to get back on route. And again, I see his footprints coming from the north, and I check my GPS and make, okay, let's make a mental note how long I can see his footprints. And I went four full miles before his footprints just kind of like disappeared. So I don't mm. know if he was like off road or just, you know, tr cow traffic or whatever, like wiped out his footprints, eh, whatever. Yeah. 
But yeah, um, wind, I mean. You know, at that point, I saw the sheriff one last time. He was coming back south. We chatted a bit more. He thanked me a number of times for, like, helping this guy out. I'm like, oh, never really heard being thanked by a cop before. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, you know. some of that. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So, so we got a good repertoire going. He gave me his card to let him know later on that I was okay at the end of my bike ride or if I have any questions. Or, or, if, or you know, actually, he wanted me to let him know if I found the vehicle along the route. Oh, yeah. Because there yeah. Were, I'm, I'm going to be on BLM roads the entire, the entire day. Yeah. So uh, he takes off. Oh, I, I, thankfully, I asked him for water. He gave me another liter and a half of water. Uh, oh, perfect. He had, like, a brand-new bottle and, like, a half-drunk. He gave me a Dr. Pepper bottle that had, like, been refilled with some water. So it still had a bit of a Dr. Pepper taste to it. Uh, That's okay. But, you know, having that extra liter of water, uh, that really helped me out a lot. That gave me a bit yeah, of that. Yeah, that takes me, a lot of pressure off. Yeah. Uh, it was, like, another four hours. Not even four. Probably, like, three hours by the time I got to water. Um, and then by the time I actually got to an area, I can make a phone call uh, and start getting texts. It was like six hours away from the location. So uh, real, real quick, I want to go back yeah. before we continue on your journey. Um, I, I'm always curious, and I don't know why, but like did the sheriff, I'm sure the ambulance didn't or the paramedic didn't because they were very focused on Gregory and making sure he was okay. Yeah. But did the sheriff like look at you and be like, bro, what are you doing out here? Like, what, you know? Like, Oddly, he didn't. He he mentioned that he has seen other cyclists out here. Uh, okay, cool. So yeah, so like people have been riding this route. It's good. It's not. It's it's rare, but it's not unheard of. Right. So he's, okay. He's cool. like, yeah, people come out here in ATVs and horses and all kinds of stuff. So he's like, you having a good ride? I'm like, yeah, I'm having a great ride. This has been okay. awesome. Yeah, that's usually not the reaction. Usually it's like, right? excuse me, you got here how? You came from where? And yeah. you're on your bike? And where's all your friends and all your gear? You know, I mean. Oh, I got that I got that reaction from plenty of other people that were along, right, that, yeah. that, that were like along the way, especially like on day two, going down to the Alvar Hot Springs. I had random people pulling over in their cars like, dude, where are you heading, man? Like, what are you doing out here on a bike? You know, and then people start noticing like, dude, you're riding in sandals. Crazy. Like, yeah. it, was just, it was nuts. It was an accident. But yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, I'm a little crazy. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, if my feet start getting messed up, then I'll turn around and just go back to fields or cut it short, you know, but yeah. it worked out. My feet were fine. Uh, cool. Well, I, one of my questions I was going to ask you is if you carried on or not. And I'm so glad to hear that. You, not that I would have been bummed yeah. if you didn't, but I agree. It's like, what else can you do? So yeah. you might as well go enjoy the rest of your ride. So, yeah, how, how was the rest of it? Oh, hard. Uh, the whole ride was hard. <laughs> uh, that day I had to climb over uh, Heart Mountain a little bit to get to the Heart Mountain Springs. So there's from from the guy from the point i found this guy to get into the campground it just seemed like uphill the entire way so i didn't finish until like i don't know 9 30 10 o'clock at night uh so i'm like riding with my headlamp and my lights on my bike um what was it like to be riding with the knowledge and memory of that experience just i mean right there like were you you're obviously thinking about oh, yeah. it like nonstop. how did that what were you thinking? I mean, uh, what was going through your I head was, the whole day? You know, I kept trying to, like, get into, like, a meditative state and, like, not think about it. And just focus on, like, making it through the day and not getting hurt. You know, not running over a rattlesnake or something. Um, but, you know, it just kept coming back. And I just try to be very stoic about it and just, like, I've, I've done what I can. Just need to enjoy the rest of this ride and be mindful that 
yeah, I could I could crash, I could get hurt, but I'm a careful person. I don't take chances. I don't go doing you know I don't go do wheelies or jumps or anything like that. I try to be very conservative with my my riding. Yeah. And um, you know it it helped me to decompress a little bit when I was able to like get that cell phone signal, call my partner, Audrey, and let her know and just talk to her for a few minutes like, hey, I'm perfectly fine. You know, uh, I didn't know if I could press SOS or anything again. Um, actually, I did. After I talked to the sheriff, I turned my device off, turned it back on, and did the check-in, like, a, like an oh. okay check-in, and restarted my track. Okay, so that's what you should so, do yeah. if you press SOA. Oh wait, no, you probably want them to come first. Yeah, wait till wait till the send... whole thing is done. Yeah, and after yeah. they leave, that's important. <laughs> yeah, then turn it off, or you know, press and hold the SOS to end the SOS, and then turn your your track and your uh, your check in. Okay, uh, your good. Own, yeah, well, uh, that's. I mean, that that's really good information. I mean, I hope that. I was going to say, I hope no one finds themselves in the same position you were in. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, I hope that somebody does in that if you, if it's a matter of life or death, I, I, I choose that. I hope that people are out there in the wilderness are prepared and have the knowledge to be able to help somebody the way you did. So, I mean, that, that's a little piece of information that might, might help somebody one day. You know, in every single interview I've given about this, uh, or email or you know social media post I try to just iterate the fact that if you're a bike packer like me and going out and doing these things whether you're alone or with friends you or somebody in the group should have at least one of these devices like a personal locator mm-hmm. beater can be it a spot tracker uh, a Garmin inReach or I think there's several other similar devices out there uh, that I'm unaware of but I've heard some names those are the two I'm familiar with. Yeah, those with are the two well, big ones so, that everyone yeah, writes about. Yeah. Very, you know, because they're yeah. they're relatively inexpensive. You can get them at REI or any other like outdoor store, uh, and they're all over the place. People use them on the Tour Divide to track, you know, all the the riders. Yeah. Um, well, I have to tell you, man, I uh, I got mine hanging up in the garage, and I let my membership lapse because oh, yeah. I haven't done anything like real epic, you know, in, yeah. in the last little bit, and so. Um, but as soon as like I heard your story, I was like, no, nope, that's it. Yeah, reactivating it because yep. it because it's not just um, am I going to be okay? Right. It's what could I come across? And yeah. I mean, it, and it doesn't have to be life or death. I mean, it could be a, a lot of different scenarios. But you can imagine and envision a lot of different scenarios in which having that would be good yeah it, 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 or necessary uh, yeah i mean i've been in situations where there's just been close calls you know like going mountain biking with a buddy you're in the mountains there's no cell phone signal out there and one of us falls off the trail you know takes a wrong turn and and that's that happened to me last summer my buddy like he went to go put his foot down because we stopped on a trail for something uh and just he was on the edge of like a small cliff his foot missed the ground it literally missed the ground and just like he just fell over and like oh, fell no. like 10 feet uh thankfully it was like a lot of plants and briars and stuff in there so he got a little cut up and scraped up but afterwards i'm like oh my god he could have died or been seriously injured at this point and yeah, that's i had my spot tracker but thankfully you know we had cell phone signal he didn't get hurt um we were just like okay he's fine little cut up and i had a little first aid kit with me so i got him patched up but uh, right after that ride, I started talking with him, my other riding buddies, like, okay, 
if only one of us is going to carry this thing, I want everyone to know where it is on my bike, like where I keep it mm. and how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if at all possible, at least get that wilderness first aid training. You know, spend a weekend. It's really basic. It's not very hard, but you learn a ton of information. You know, you usually get like a little book or something that goes along with it. And it helps give you that confidence that if something does happen, you can get yourself out of it. Yeah. yeah. I, thank you for saying that. That's something that's been brought up quite a few times on the podcast yeah. and I think it's I think it's a drum worth beating over and over again oh, yeah. because um, you never know I mean it, it might not always be you yeah. it might all, it might be somebody else yeah you know? and like, so you, that's, like you said you saw that one uh, Instagram post about yeah. the spot tracker because it was I basically posted that within minutes of getting you know a good signal because uh, it, it'd be going through my head like I just help somebody with this device and I know people that ride with it and I know people that don't ride with it um, but I didn't know if this guy was going to live or not. So I didn't want to yeah, share. That any... was the crazy thing. Yeah. And, and like, and I make my coworkers, they were like messaging back and forth. Like, does anybody know what happened to Tomas? Like, why did he post this thing? So like, there's all kinds of talk. And I didn't tell anybody except uh, a couple of friends that I, this whole scenario happened. One question that I saw come up quite frequently is who pays the bill? I was very curious about that when I came in that Monday. Um, yeah. Because uh, although I've never taken an ambulance ride, I did have an emergency room visit many years ago that cost $1,000 for nothing. They literally right. did nothing to me, but it still cost me $1,000. So um, I actually started uh, emailing, or actually I got on like a live chat with Spot Tracker, and that guy was saying like, well, you called on behalf of somebody else. Whoever took the ambulance ride is going to get the bill. It's like, okay, it wasn't me, so I should be fine. He's like, but, you know, just to make sure, I'm going to go, I'm going to have you, here's the number for Geos, the, the call center that actually makes the calls. Right. You know, because they're the ones who handle the building, is, uh, building and whatnot. So I called them, and they said the same thing. Yeah, you, you're probably not going to receive a bill because you've called on behalf of somebody else. Now, if, if I did get in the ambulance with Gregory, then I might be part really responsible for that bill. Okay. So as far as I know, I'm completely out in the clear on all of this in terms yeah. of like cost. Because that's, that's the uh, that's the conclusion. Like, uh, well, there's a local like Texas bikepacking Facebook group, and the guy who runs it, his wife is an attorney. Oh yeah. Um, and so they were discussing that, and yeah. you know, and and that was that was her opinion was that it will be the person that received the treatment. Right. It, it makes sense. It's like if. I actually I was at a, a, a grocery store and I, I had ridden my bike there and I was like getting on my bike to leave and a lady slipped like right in like two feet in front of me wow. and got like hurt she was an older lady and the ambulance came and, and you know I but I, I called and I was like hey we need you know I called the 911 and I was like hey this lady needs some help um, but I didn't even I didn't even think for two seconds about who would receive a bill. I knew I I wouldn't. It would, yeah. She, she, you know, she would get the bill. So yeah. I, I guess it makes sense. But, well, but I, still, that's good good information. I didn't even start thinking about that until I got home. And like, right. You know, I wouldn't either. Yeah. I was just like, actually, I was more concerned. Like, is my partner going to freak out that I'm hurt and she's not going to allow me to yes. do this again? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like. So what was her reaction like whenever you called her? What what was she? What had she been going through? Um, let's see. So, two of my other contacts, actually, contacts, they got the call before she did, and they called her. 
to say, hey, what's going on with Tomas? Because one one guy didn't know I was on this trip. The other guy did know I was on the trip and had been tracking me actively through the uh, Spot mm. Tracker website. So yep. each day he was like seeing where I was and he comments every once in a while like or send me a text. But she was like, she, I think she kept telling herself that I was just having a mechanical and that my bike had broken or something and I, or that it was for somebody else. You know, okay. I think, you know, there's a little bit part of her that was worried that it was me that was hurt. But she, she's been out with me in the, the woods a number of times that she knows I know how to handle, I know how to handle myself most of the time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so she was just trying to stay optimistic yeah, and, and but, just think but, positive you know, thoughts. Once that code four went through to say it was for a third party, all they did, the call center just called her up and said it was a code four is for a third party. And then they hung up. So they didn't give her any details whatsoever if I was continuing on or whatever. The hmm. the thing that really helped her relax is when the sheriff called her before I did. He was able to get into town. He gave her a ring. So, yep, he's in good spirits. He's going to continue on his bike ride. So she's like, oh, good. That So she she was completely relaxed at that point. Um, hmm. But it was still good to, like, talk to her, you know, in person, you know, myself yeah. and, like, let her know how I was feeling. Uh, and just kind of like, like I said, to kind of decompress a little bit to say, yeah, this is fine. I'm in good spirits. I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, she, was she real supportive of you? And like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. She was even telling cool. me, yeah, yeah, go finish your ride, man. You know, of take, course. like, why are you, why are, why are, she actually asked me a number of times, like, why are you doing this so fast? You said you wanted to do it in eight to 10 days. You're going to finish tomorrow. <laughs> That's way ahead of schedule. So, yeah, like, if if I does had any, a, does any part of you uh, think about that? I do the, the timing of it. If yeah. you had, if you had gone slower, is there? Oh yeah, have you thought like, about that? Like that would have been by the time I found him. That was that was supposed to be like day eight, and I I caught him on day six. Um, it would have been a different scenario, yeah, man. He, it's like he there's a good chance he probably wouldn't have lived another day. He would have been dead or somebody else would have found him. But those are yeah. most likely the only two. Yeah. I mean, the, options. Uh, the deputy was telling me that people do go to that abandoned ranch as like a site to see because it's, you know, it's from like the, I don't know, 17, 1800s. It's really old. Yeah. Um, people do go out there. But at the time I found him, it was a Thursday. So it could be a few more days before anybody gets out there. Right. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, there's cows, so maybe a rancher in a couple days, maybe, uh, or somebody looking for a site, or, or like a rock hunter. Dude, that's trippy, man. Yeah. so that's so trippy. Yeah, if I had been pushing every day, I wouldn't have found him for a couple more days. And he and at that point, we found out later on that he had already been stranded, uh, or his vehicle got stuck four days prior. So I don't know, how, yeah. no idea how long he'd been on the road, maybe like three days. And do you do you know now? Because what I read on Oregon Live, that's that's the article I read was Oregon Live, yeah. um, was that he had walked fourteen miles in four days. Right. Which like just by the numbers isn't a lot, you right. would think. So do you know like the story at all about It's not crystal clear kind, yet. Uh, but the information yeah. I was given uh, from the deputy and he he gave me some of it like the day after I got back home. He called me up to, you know, say, hey, just want to make sure you're okay. Uh, you know, let you know some information. Uh, within, I think, like 48 hours of being brought to the hospital, uh, Randolph was, uh, Mr. Randolph was already talking and, like, starting to recover. Um, 
and started giving him information, giving the deputy information as to what happened. But it, from what I understand, he got stuck on Sunday, stayed overnight in his Jeep, started walking on Monday. But I don't know yet how many days he walked per or how many miles he walked per day. Like okay. that information, as far as I know, hasn't come out yet. Um, so I don't know how long he'd actually been laying in the road. But just from like right. the evidence I've seen, he could have been out there for days. Like there's like in that spot, in that one spot, yeah. Because like it looked like he'd been rolling around for quite oh, a while. Oh my, oh yeah. I never even considered that. So he could have just been laying oh in the sun. Oh my god, he was sunburned everywhere. Anything that was exposed skin, he I was never considered red. that. So he had no water. Yeah. So oh my gosh, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. You just completely like blew my mind open yeah. with could, with that. So like. Yeah, it was 14 miles in four days, but he might have gone 14 miles in one day yeah. and been laying there for three days. Yeah, no idea. No what, idea. What was his skin like? I mean, if he was there for, you know, two days, his skin oh, yeah. would have been... Oh, he was definitely burned all over. Just He was just... Yeah, just bright red. Oh. Bright red. His face looked like it had a little bit of swelling, uh, like on the forehead or, or like on the cheeks. But yeah, it was like that, he was just covered in dust, so it was like it was hard. You know, oh, he's, that's you know he's covered in like road dust everywhere, but you can tell his skin was just bright red, even through the yeah. dust. Uh, Man, my heart just sank into my stomach thinking of that. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess I think everyone on the internet too. Everything that I read, it was. Everybody was thinking, well, man, he's not traveling many miles per day. It's just like you think four days, 14 miles. How many are you averaging a day? Right. But you, don't, also, you don't think. But also think about these things, too. These factors is he's 73 yeah. years old. How many 73-year-olds do you know do a lot of, you know, can do miles per day? Not you very know, many. Yeah. Like, I know my But day. I did just interview uh, Hal, Hal Russell. Do you know him? I don't. No. He, dude, you, you should uh, check this guy out. So he's 70 years old. Yeah. And he just finished the Tour Divide for the sixth time. Oh, Jesus. And he didn't even start bikepacking until he was 57. Wow. He didn't even start riding a mountain bike until he was 57. Holy cow. So to answer your question, I don't know many. Yeah. But I do know Hal Russell. Right. And I definitely know some older riders. There's a few people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's definitely older riders. (laughs) But this guy was not one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Like I said, he was kind of a heavier guy. You know, had a few extra pounds on him. But it's like... He doesn't come off as he doesn't come off as being the guy that would be able to walk 14 miles in a day, and the footprints I found uh, were very close together. Like he had been shuffling for miles. Like these weren't large strides from a hiker. This was like somebody just, just shuffling their way through the desert. You know, with a, like, like dragging their feet yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, like like inches apart, <sighs> just a few inches apart each. Yeah, you know it would be really interesting. Have you have you talked to him? I have since? not. No. Uh, from what I've been told, he he wants to talk to me and he's looking for a phone, uh, but he also wants to recover a little bit more because I'm, I'm I'm assuming being that dehydrated, like it's gonna mess up your brain a little bit. So like, right, I think I'm, he wants I'm, to like fully recover before he tries to talk to me. Okay. Uh, okay. But I have been. Contacted. What do you think about that? Are you are you like? excited to talk to him or like nervous or a little that's nervous. like a very you know it's like you know I, I can appreciate the magnitude of the situation but part of me is like you know i'm just glad you're okay you know i'm just glad yeah. he's not dead uh i don't i don't need the thanks 
not, not to be like crass or anything, but it's like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm just glad you're alive. Just keep doing your own thing. Because, yeah. uh, you know, how, how do you how do you thank somebody for saving your life? What do you say? I mean, it's in, in, a, in a way, it's going to be embarrassing for some people. I, I would be embarrassed, like, oh, thanks for picking me off the road when I did something stupid. <laughs> or Because, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of, like, how unprepared he was. You know, there's some people that make fun of what yeah. he was driving. Oh, whatever. He's driving a I'm, Jeep. I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't know his story, so I'm going to yeah. let that. I'm going to let that go. I don't. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. He might have been up there a thousand times and right. knows the road and. He, something went wrong. I and mean, maybe we, it could happen to anybody. Water. At some point, he had water and just like, you yeah. know, once he emptied his bottles, he didn't bother carrying it. Who knows? I Dude, know. we don't know. We don't it, know. That's what I'm saying. It would be... Man, I'm just so glad he's alive, dude. Because, yeah. like, I feel I feel bad for him. Like, just thinking about four days, I can't imagine. I mean, what you went through was was kind of dramatic, but what, what he went through was, like, oh, yeah. okay. walking towards... He didn't know if he was going to live or die, and right. then... There was no just, map. He didn't have any map, cell phone, nothing. So I think when he got out of his Jeep, he just thought, oh, the, the highway is just a few miles south of here. And so he knew he was going towards the highway. He was walking yeah, towards... he was going okay. towards the highway, but it was still six more miles to the highway. And the when I crossed the highway, I didn't see any vehicles. I was on the highway for about five or ten minutes... Uh, just like eating a snack and just kind of like looking around and see what was around there. I didn't see a single vehicle. Yeah. So even when I was riding away, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, it's not like he's going to get to the highway and there's going to be a bunch of right. opportunities so He, 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 he could be out there for hours before somebody drives by. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Who's, uh, who's the liaison between you and him? Uh, right now it's the, the deputy sheriff. Uh, oh, darn, I forgot his name. I have his card somewhere. Uh, he's quoted in the article, the Oregonian article, uh, Vincent. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so I've, I've talked to him. I have his card. Um, if I have any more questions, I might give him a call. But uh, yeah. uh, it's funny, the, the day that uh, KGW, a local TV station, the day they showed up with a camera to interview me at the office, uh, I got a call from the deputy sheriff with more information about the situation, about how long he'd been out there, and basically everything we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he, uh, he's been great, just you know, really friendly, you know, thanking me for everything that I've done, but just also concerned, like, are you okay? Do you need somebody to talk to? And I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. Like, you know, everything's turning out fine. He's recovering. I feel fine. If anything, I might have to talk to a therapist about all the media attention this has garnered. You know, cause, <laughs> you know I, even though I blog and I put stuff on social media, you know, I'm very much a person to myself. That's why right. I went into the wilderness the way I did. Like, exactly. I liked having that alone time, uh, and I wanted to just have some peace and quiet. And all of a sudden, I get home, this Oregonian story runs, and this, and in one day, I had like just my phone was ringing off the hook and I'm getting emails and messages from all over the world. It, it just spread like wildfire. From media? From yeah. from who? Where, who uh, who's reaching out to you? Gosh, the the day this all happened, it started with the Oregonian. They called me first. Uh, then KGW. Um, the next day it was uh, CBC out in Canada. The, it was a Canadian Broadcasting Company, I think it's called. Uh, from Toronto. They called me up. Okay. Uh, they did like a phone interview for their radio show, uh, What's Happening, I think was the name of it. Um, 
And then uh, I came into the office on Sunday just to do some personal work on my bike because we got a little, like, a work stand and stuff here for bicycles. And I got a call from Audrey saying, hey, somebody from Channel 12 is going to trying to find you <laughs> they want to do an interview so I, right then i get another phone call like hey where are you at we want to get you on camera and talk about it so that was fox 12 they got me on camera um but uh the story what what's the story's run everywhere been, it's it's yeah. been like it's been oh, on it's, cnn usa today just you know indonesia and germany it's literally been all over the world yeah um, it's wild man yeah what what What's been the stressful part about it? I mean, are you worried about how you'll come across, how you'll yeah. say something dumb? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, all Both, that all stuff. That. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's, I think part of it is, uh, like, anxiety and just, like, imposter syndrome. You know, because mm. all these people in articles are like, oh, he's a hero. He, he did this miraculous thing. I'm like, you know, this was sheer luck. Total astronomical sheer luck that it was, that this, but you also handled it the right way right. in that situation, right? And I'm realizing so, that now it's like, okay, yeah. I did make the right call. There's, yeah. you know, there's not much I could have done any better. You know, maybe hit the I spot tracker, so. maybe hit the spot tracker a few minutes earlier, uh, maybe had a bit more water on me, but that's splitting hairs. that's all hindsight, yeah, right? Yeah, like you were in the situation, you didn't know what you came across. I mean. The way that I'm receiving the story is that you were very well thought out. Yeah. You, you made good decisions. You weren't emotional. Right. Um, and and freaking out. I mean, you you did you did everything right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it it you should feel, yeah, you should feel good about it. Um, it's more than just right right place and right time. Yeah. It is right place, right time. Yeah. But it, then it's like okay, you did the right thing in that scenario. Right. So, I mean, that guy owes you his life, period. Oh, yeah. I, I, How's that? Is, is that weird? I, I mean, that's weird God, to me. That's kind of, yeah. That's, that's so weird to me because. It, there's, there's a life right now that exists yeah. that wouldn't if it wasn't because of you. Right. Like, I mean, that's, I don't, well, I think it's, though, it's, I think, I think it's being called the hero part that bugs me because working with uh, the sheriff's department and the search and rescue teams, uh, they go out there all the time, constantly, and find people in similar situations or worse. You know, mm -hmm. uh, people who've broken legs or uh, been in car accidents or whatever, or kidnappings or just getting lost because they went mushroom hunting. These rescue teams, they go out there, they, they go through countless hours of training and use their personal equipment to go find these people. So like, to me, they are the heroes you know of these types of situations i'm just i'm just like this bystander that came by and like hit sos yeah so the, the way i look at it, i i totally sympathize with what you're saying and the and and you want to distance yourself from the word hero yeah um i i picture a hero as somebody who runs into a burning building and right. saves a kid and like you rode your bike and stumbled upon something yeah but you should be acknowledged for being well prepared right and for handling the situation very well right like uh, is that hero I, I don't know but right. it's it's being uh a good human being capable being in an environment right. that's rugged and being prepared in that environment right like those those are big big skills that a lot of people don't have 
that if they're in that environment, they should have. And you do like that. That's cool. You know, yeah. it's cool that I, I don't know your entire history with bikepacking. We didn't get into it, right. but I know enough to know that you started riding a bike and you progressed all the way to yeah. being able to be in a life or death, death situation right. and, and stay calm and make good decisions. Yeah. I mean, when I first found him, you know, all those scenarios that we practiced in wilderness first day were going through my head. Like, I talked to him to acknowledge that, like, I'm not talking over him. I'm not just, like, muttering to myself. I'm like, hey, I'm here to help. So even if he couldn't reply, if he could at least hear me, he would be more relaxed and yeah. assured that help was on the way. Um, you know, and I told him everything I was doing. Like, oh, I'm just going to get you some water. I don't want to I don't want to leave him hanging scared. You know, because, you know, like, yeah, like when you go to the dentist and, you know, he's like fiddling with bits and you hear clanging of metal and the you know revving of a saw, you start getting scared. But, you know, once the dentist starts talking, you're like, hey, we're just going to do this little thing now. We're just going to poke this thing. You're, uh, you're far more relaxed. And I just wanted to, like, assure him because that was that's pretty much all I could do was just assure him that, like, help us on the way. Just hang in there. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, I did, like, pat him down a little bit to, like, check if there's any injuries because I didn't know if he had been hit by a car or something like what if yeah. somebody just stranded him out there and he'd been hit by something or if he there was a, a ridge nearby well maybe he climbed up the ridge trying to get a, a better view of the area and just like fell over onto the road i don't know yeah. so you know I, yeah. I, I like patted him down checking for any like broken bones or bleeding or bruising um and while i was doing that i also like checked for id so i can get a name because he he wasn't talking whatsoever just grunts and you know uh, like grunts of pain uh, so I, I didn't know his name until the deputy told me when I got home because wow. there's no ID he had no ID or anything on him so I just like kept telling him like hey buddy just hang in there you're gonna be good to go um, but I was just trying to like follow that procedure of like evaluate your situation talk to your you know talk to the subject and uh, you know, try to gather as much information as possible so that when the first responders do arrive, you can give them a quick rundown of what you found so far. Yeah. You know, because he wasn't having problems breathing or, you know, his pulse seemed okay. I didn't take blood, you know, I didn't take his pulse or monitor his breathing. I just wanted to make sure he was still conscious and that his heart, yeah. his, he was still breathing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the focus should be water and a little bit of shade, whatever you can yeah. provide. I mean, those are probably the two biggest things you could do for him, other than calling the cavalry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I just figured, like it's like it's like being back in the city. You see a car accident, you're gonna call nine one one, and even if you, the only thing you do is pull them out, you've helped them somewhere or other. And yeah. to me, to me, I just wanted to be a good person. Like, hey, if I was in trouble, I would want somebody to do the right thing and yeah. not just pass me over. Yeah. Well, I think that's the cool part is you got a pretty good karma bank going there. I feel like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. I've had a couple of companies. Not to say you want to risk it and find out how good your karma <laughs> is, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's been. Uh, I've had some really good feedback from people. So I, I, like you said, I do feel like I did the right thing in terms of like. Yeah not just calling SOS, but like getting the water in the shade. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. From my perspective, I was, I mean, I'm elated for a lot of reasons. One that the man lived. Right. Um, and then your, your story that it was a bike packer that was out there, um, yeah. is, is really neat. You know, I hope, I hope it brings a little bit of good exposure to bike packing out in public lands and, yeah. uh, you know, 
I mean, well, that's the funny part. It's like most news outlets just call me a mountain biker. It's not until you get to right. the cycling sites that say bike packer so and so found this guy. Like, I'm fine with that. I just well, yeah, and like a lot of what I read was all talking about Gregory for the most part. I mean, right. they mentioned you a little bit, right. but. I mean, it's like all of a sudden there's a guy on a bike and, right. you know, like there's no backstory. So, yeah, I don't think they I make definitely very, wanted to get I don't think they make it very clear that cyclists normally aren't out there. Right. You know, it's not like riding through the city and all of a sudden our bike comes by. Yeah, you expect bikes in the city, but out in the yeah. middle of the freaking desert. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't see a single bike out there. I saw some tire tracks on my first day, but that's it. No other tire tracks, no other bikes. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you, man. I wanted to get the rest of the story that, you know, the people that do bike pack will yeah. be more interested in and, and, and can connect to that side of the story more. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, after this experience, next time you go out into, um, you know, to do another week long trip, yeah. are you, you going to do anything differently? Um, is there anything that you wish you make, had? Make or? sure I don't lose any more equipment. <laughs> yeah, I'll make, yeah. You know, get those water bladders secured and uh, kind of do like a self-check every time I stop for water. Like, oh, did I pick up everything? Did I forget anything? Uh, you know, make sure I take another pair. Of sh- if I do the thing with the shoes again to make sure they're fully secured and not going to fall off. Um, but no, for the most part, there's not much I would, I would change. You know, I've got yeah. my system kind of dialed in. Um, I might get a spot tracker that has the two-way communication so I can actually like text my friends and my partner that I'm okay. Um, yeah. That is, cause it is, I've seen, it that is one came out not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how much that one is? I haven't heard uh, The one from spot is like 250 and then I think it's like another 200 bucks a year for their service. Okay. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. That's what I, it's funny after this, uh, after I was telling my wife that you and I were going to be uh, talking. Yeah. I told her I was like I'm I'm re-upping our membership yeah uh, to spot and she's like how much is it and I couldn't remember exactly how much it was but yeah. I was like it's it's like borderline it's like it's like a decent chunk every month right but it's not so much that you shouldn't be paying it right you know what I'm saying it's like right. it's it's like you know if it's two hundred dollars a year yeah but it could save your life or somebody else's right pay the damn two hundred dollars a <laughs> <Right>. year <laughs> like, and you know especially for people like us that you know i try to go out at least once a month somewhere you know i try yeah. to get on the bike even if it's just for an overnighter you know i sure. try to get in the forest, go for a camping trip overnight come back the next day those but are so important man you know, it, and if it's not on a bike you know i go birding with my partner and we're going to areas like large mountain or mountain hood that you know, even if we're in a car, we don't have cell phone signal. We still want that ability to make that call because what if we're hiking and go off trail or something falls on us or whatever? There's so many reasons why we need this in areas we just don't have cell. Yeah, um, preach. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, well, dude, I'll, I'll let you go. I know that you've had a ton of media interest yeah. and I, I certainly respect that. Um, Hopefully this interview wasn't too stressful. No, this uh, is fine. But <laughs> I, I really do appreciate it, man. I, I, I wanted to be able to share sure. the rest of the story from a bike packer's perspective, and I know a lot of that was missing. So I appreciate you taking the time yeah. uh, to talk to me and share share that part of the story. It was really neat to hear it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
Uh, anytime. It's been, been really great. I don't really get a chance to talk much bike packing outside my, you know, a few buddies I ride with. So, um, yeah, like I like geeking out about gear and you yeah. know, trying new things. I'm the guy in the office who's always getting a new bike or, you know, trying out some new bike packing gear or whatever. Cool. Um, that's kind of why I got on Instagram even. I mean, that that's like how all this started was I just got on Instagram. I created an account only for bikepacking that oh, yeah. like all of my other friends don't care about right. they're not interested it's only the bike nerds that yeah. i can reach out to and or be like yeah this is awesome and it kind of grew into a podcast but it oh, all yeah. started with just that desire to connect with other bike nerds and, yeah and well that's why connect I s- with those experiences that's why i started adventuring.bike was on my regular instagram account with my name you know i was posting drawings and just like random stuff and then like when I go on a bike trip, I post bike photos, but then I go back to drawings of dogs and cartoons. So I didn't really have like a good consistent stream of content. Yeah. Uh, and I had a number of people contact me saying, hey, I really like your you know, your bike trips. It always inspires me to go on my own trips. So I'm like, oh, I'll just start a bikey Instagram and then all my drawings can go on one Instagram and then you know, bike packing stuff or bike trips can go on the other one. And uh, yeah. yeah, like the feedback on my, my Instagram has been amazing. Uh, just people what it tell tell everyone your instagram again so if they want to follow along with what you got going on so my my biking instagram and blog is adventuring dot bike oh yeah that's cool bike. yeah adventure yeah because now you can do the dot com it's not dot com it's dot bike correct yeah i actually the i was going to name this podcast like tales from the trail at first yeah and now the dot com was already taken so i think i own tales from the trail dot bike or something oh, really? but yeah 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 that works pretty well for instagram and for uh oh, yeah. a blog yeah I i'll have to check out your blog i didn't even i didn't even make that connection i'll have to check that out yeah i uh it's the links in my bio on instagram so if you just okay. you know, don't want to type it in you just follow it there um but i i blogged about each day of that ride because oh, no, normally if i go on a ride i just put all in one blog post and just kind of like skim right. through some stuff but because so much happened in terms of like wildlife encounters and the situation and just like the whole epicness of this trip i decided to just do a day-by-day blow Um, yeah and it also has like a link to my my recording so you can see where i went each day or how many feet i climbed um use like a little embed um and then i try to put the photos for that day on the blog um but then if you just want to see the photos, you can go to my Flickr stream and find all my photos there. But cool. that's all linked on the blog. Awesome. That's really neat. I'm glad. I know a lot of people are going to be going to uh, check that out. Uh, yeah. I will for sure. Yeah. Get, get the nitty gritty. Um, and at some point, I think I might start doing, just between trips and to keep me active on the blog, I might start doing like gear reviews or something, like talking about the gear that I take. Um, yeah. I'll probably start with the, the spot tracker. I get so many questions about the spot tracker that I think I want to do like a comprehensive post that talks about the pros and the cons and the costs of yeah. one of these devices. And then that'll get me to research what my alternatives are. I know like Garmin inReach is another really popular one, but right. that one has right. a, I, I'd like to know. Yeah, yeah. And that one I think has a, like a higher cost up front, but it has more features. Like okay. cause you can, yeah, do, you I can don't, do two-way communication on those. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was curious, you know, I, I, I would assume that your uh, social media in, uh, following is going to go up, you know, you're going to get some more yeah. 
more followers and curious how, if at all, you're going to take advantage of that. I don't know if take advantage is the right word, but the way I look at it is like Instagram or social media in, in general can be right. used for not bad, but just unproductive, sometimes bad, yeah. sometimes negative. The way I look at it is like, okay, if I have your attention, everybody's screaming for your attention, right? Everywhere right. you go, they're, they want your attention. My thing is like, okay, if I have your attention, then I'm gonna I'm gonna put something positive. I'm gonna put something good, worthwhile yeah. in your feed, you know. And so, I w- it sounds like maybe you're thinking along those same lines. It's like, okay, well, if people are interested, then I'm gonna put good information out there. And right. I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah, because I like I just want to put information based on experience, and I mean, right now I don't make a penny from any of this. You know? Neither do yeah, I, brother. I don't, I don't have, I don't <laughs> have ads. Do I. I don't have anything for sale. I don't even use yeah. affiliate links. So, like, if I link to a piece of gear, I just link it directly to that manufacturer, like right. their website. And, uh, you know, if they want to order through Amazon or whatever, fine. They can they can get it through whatever channel they want. I just want to, like, yeah. I want to share what, like, gear options are and inspire people to go do these types of adventures and not just be stuck at the computer like I am most of the day. That's what it's about. Uh, yeah, that's so. exactly what it's about. And man, and that that goes back to the podcast. And there, I love Instagram. It's a great platform mm-hmm. to to get people inspired. For me, the podcast is just another step. It's okay. I saw the picture on Instagram, right? But here's the the whole story. Yeah. You know, it's not just a, a paragraph. It's this is the story of my words, and so. There just isn't, there wasn't a lot of that out there, you know, and I felt like there was, there was an opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. to put some, some good information for, for people who are wanting to go do these types of trips and get inspired and, and know that they can know, know that, you know, I've ran, I've, I've, I've done everything on the podcast from like beginner bike packer to, yeah. um, you know, winning the tour divide and, you know, I mean, and it, the, the point is, is you got to start somewhere and you just got to work your way up. I mean, right. there's no magic, but yeah. you just get on your bike and you start riding and you go a little bit further, a little bit further. And uh, it's good. It's good to have people out there. And I've certainly been the benefactor of them that put out route information or yeah. cool stories on Instagram or a podcast or whatever it is. But you're just trying to fuel that stoke and get more people out there enjoying it. Yeah. You know, we got to. Ultimately, I want to protect those public lands. You know, people oh, yeah. need to be out there using using the public resources that we have and uh, and fighting for them. Yeah, yeah. Like, encourage anybody out there to like, you know, even if you only hit the trails once in a while, if you can put in even a weekend with like a local mountain biking group or uh, some some kind of like trail maintenance group, you know, put in a few volunteer hours, like kind of pay that back. Like yes. you know, every every trail you've ridden has probably been built by volunteers, yep. um, so you know I've I've tried to do that a few times to get out there and like put in a couple weekends per year of just helping to build and maintain these trails that I use myself. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, I just that's it, man. I just want to inspire people to get out there and you know get some self reliance. Uh, maybe eventually I'll do some kind of like illustrator guide of some sort to bike packing, just because I like drawing cartoons and whatnot. But uh, for the time being, this is just a passion project. This is yep. this is what I do for fun, you know. I'm, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I do, I do, I should say, I make two hundred and eighty-one dollars a month on Patreon, which oh, yeah. I'm very grateful for. 
Um, but I don't have any ads, no sponsors, nothing like that. I mean, I, I'm here to like you just, I want to inspire people, give something back to the community, put good things out there. And, you know, and, and there's gracious people out there who are supporting it in whatever way they can. Um, you know, and that, and that's cool, but yeah, I mean, that's not the main focus. It's just, it's it's one of them, but yeah. ultimately, you already got a cool job. I want a cool job uh, <laughs> recording podcasts all over the world. Right, <laughs> that's what's a lot of work. You're in a cool spot with a cool job, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm in the office, you know, nine to five Monday through Friday. But when I get out riding, I want to get out there. I want to see the world. You know, I want to. I want to go see what's in the mountains. So, yes, sir. So. Well, dude, thanks again, man. Uh, really 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 it is inspiring like you want to get people inspired to go out there i mean it's weird that it's just you happening to be in the right place at the right time right but it's inspirational it really is i mean it got me super psyched um i mean it just it's a great story the guy lived i mean you saved a guy's life like this is freaking cool (laughs) he lives (laughs) all right man all right man gotta run thank you so much this has been no, a pleasure. thank you. Thank you for taking the time. It was really awesome to hear your story. Yeah, I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> All right, what a great interview from Tomas. Uh, I was like really interested to get his whole story and was very impressed with how he handled the situation and how calm he stayed and literally saved that guy's life. I mean, it's so cool. I love that he was a bike packer. I know that's going to put some like... A, good like images or you know good thoughts towards bike packers in the world i mean that that story has been all over the world not just america but he's been getting interview requests from all over the world so it's really gotten global attention um, which is just crazy and i know he's like stressing out about it you know so hopefully my podcast was more enjoyable and laid back and uh, didn't cause him too much stress but i do think it was really great information so i appreciate him taking taking the time to to share kind of the whole story um all right well it's time to get down to business if you're really enjoying this content and you want to support the show um, all of your money goes to the show right now um, I've been saving up patron money and merchandise sales and Amazon affiliate, uh, you know, all the ways that I make money. I've been saving my pennies. And just today I bought a Zoom H6, which is the portable digital recorder that I've really been wanting. Uh, it's going to allow me to record up to four guests at one time. And it has its own little like mixing board on it so I can control the volumes if somebody's talking too loud or too soft. Um, it should really help with better content and better quality and that was purchased with money that I made directly for my listeners so thank you guys so much Um, it really is going to go just to the show right so the next way that the money is being spent is through buying merchandise right now we have uh, stickers and patches and I'm working on uh, getting shirts next and then other stuff you know so trying to roll it out as fast as I can but Um, you know, I'm kind of learning all this stuff on the fly and, uh, trying to manage it all. Um, and it takes a lot of time. Speaking of time, it, you know, it takes me about 35 hours to produce every single episode on average. So, um, I was trying to do one a week and I'd still like to get back to that, but man, it just takes so much time. I just, there's, you know, I have a real job and a family and, uh, those come first, you know, and then I got to ride my bike first and then whatever's left, I find myself 
doing podcasts late into the night. I mean, I, I've been going to bed at like one, two o'clock every single morning. It's been getting bad, actually. I need to like get better sleep, but I don't have I don't have time. So you know, I know I'm playing my little violin. I absolutely love producing the show. I really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's something I'm passionate about. I care about, and I want to keep doing. I want to keep bringing y'all great content. Um, but you know, the, the biggest thing for me is just justifying the time that I'm spending on it. So everything that y'all do really does help. I would love to keep this show hundred percent listener supported, you know, free from advertising and sponsors. So if you are into that, you want to support the show, this is how you do it. Probably the easiest way, if you go to bikesordeath.com, there's an Amazon affiliate link. If you're on your desktop, it's on the right hand side. If you click it, bookmark it and use it every single time you make a purchase, I will get a little cut. And I will tell you because this is a full disclosure show, so far I have made $37.84 in Amazon affiliate purchases, which is awesome. I just want that to be 3,700 and whatever, you know? So um, that's a super easy way. Most people shop on Amazon. So if you just bookmark it and use it every single time, the next way, while you're on the website, uh, go check out the store. Um, I've got stickers and patches right now. We got the new uh, sticker that at Butt Crack Jenny designed, which I really appreciate. Um, and I'm working on getting, uh, I'm working on getting shirts made right now too. So uh, it's just a lot of balls in there. I'm trying to juggle it, but I'm trying to get those shirts out like as soon as possible because I know a lot of people are super interested in that. The next way that you can support the show is what I'm calling the Bikes or Death Real Estate Referral Program. Um, in my real life, I'm a real estate agent. If you are looking for, uh, if you are looking to buy or sell a home in the next what whatever little bit, um, let me know. Send me an email, bikes at bikes or death, and let me know kind of you know what your situation is. If you're selling a house, if you're buying a house. Um, basically the, the referral program works the same way as if I referred you to Amazon, um, I get a little bit of cut, uh, just for sending you that way. So another, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, it doesn't increase your like real estate fees or anything like that. Um, it's just taken out of the, um, agent's commission. So I know that's kind of like a crazy, maybe outside the box way of doing things, but I am not afraid to think outside the box. I don't have a boss. I don't have... People tell me what to do. It's a free country and this is my show. So you know what? I'm going to try different things. I'm going to see what works and, and run with it, you know, but in, in my effort to keep it free from advertising dollars, um, yeah, you got to get creative, you know? So, uh, the, and the last way you can support the show is, is on iTunes. I mean, it really is huge. Um, as of today, there have been 115 five-star reviews on, on the podcast, which is mind-blowing. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm greedy now, right? I want to see 1,000. So, you know, maybe we'll hit 500 and then work on 1,000. But uh, keep it going, man. It really does. I, I'm, like, surprised. I know, like, whenever I hear podcasts are always saying, you know, subscribe or not subscribe, uh, you know, leave a five-star review, leave a review, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, and but it actually does matter. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So, um, all right, that's it for selling you on stuff, but I will just tease a couple of episodes, uh, real quick. If you follow my social media at all, you'll know that I recorded a podcast with, uh, Vince from Chumba and 
uh, I intended to have that out already, but had some audio issues and it was outside of my scope of ability. So I had to actually hire an audio engineer for the first time and he's promising to make the audio sound awesome. But I told Vince, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, but quality is important and I don't want people to be distracted by poor quality and not be able to enjoy the content because it really was a great episode. So um, that one should be coming out very soon, like next week. Um, and then I also in interviewed Becky and Anna Claire. Those are the two ladies who are putting on the grit mountain bike festival in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I'm super excited to be attached to that uh, program that they have going on. I'm actually going to be, uh, or I, I'm a sponsor, uh, officially of, of what they're doing. You know, I, and I reached out to them. Um, I told them, I'm like, I would, I would support you. I would give you shout outs. I would record a podcast with you. I'd mention on my podcast, I would do all that anyway. Um, but if you wouldn't mind throwing my name out there as a sponsor, I'd appreciate it, you know, because I, it's a mutually beneficial type thing. I want to help them grow and they want to help me grow. And, and we're very, very, very like-minded. I love the things that they're doing, support them a thousand percent. And so I'm, I'm honored, uh, that I got a chance to talk to them and then I'm getting a chance to help them, uh, hopefully grow grow their mountain bike festival and, and make it a huge success. So if you haven't already, go and, and check them out. Um, it's at Grit Festival on Instagram. And uh, go ahead and like, I mean, if you're a lady folk and you're interested in a, in a sweet mountain biking festival, uh, go check them out. But that podcast will come be coming out really soon as well. Um, oh, and on that note, uh, my wife is committed to go and details are yet to come. But she is going to be riding from somewhere south of the route and riding to it camping, hanging out, and then riding back. And so we're going to try to organize for anybody who wants to just a, a real casual group ride. So meet at A, ride to B, you get the idea. So bikepacking, right? Um, all right, that's it. Uh, hope y'all are enjoying getting the ads at the end of the show. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm a little more free to just kind of talk and explain things a little bit better. And, you know, and I feel like I'm not really missing uh missing out by not having it at the front of the show. I mean, there's people who are going to listen and they're never going to support it. I get it. I mean, I've done it, right? We all have. So you, you gotta, you gotta pick, right? You can't, you're not going to support every show, but, um, some people are going to pick this show and those people are probably going to listen to the very end. So I appreciate it. And you are the only ones that know what comes at the very end of this show, the super duper secret bikes or death motto, go ride your damn bike.